Hello and welcome. This is the Expert Review Podcast, hosted by Harneys and joined by esteemed guests who are, in their own right, experts in the subjects under review. Expert Review is a new series of podcasts designed to examine governance, regulatory and tax matters that we believe are vitally important for us as advisors, our clients and the wider community. My name is Aki Korsoni Hussein. I'm a partner at Harneys and head of its global regulatory practice. Throughout the first series, we'll cover a diverse range of topics from economic sanctions right the way through to data protection, privacy, beneficial ownership, transparency, and regulatory investigations, to name but a few. The podcasts are unscripted and informal and deliver up opinion and analysis within approximately 15 minutes. So in this first episode, we're going to delve into the fast and complex moving world of economic sanctions and restrictive measures. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by one of the preeminent barristers and commentators in this field, Maya Lester QC of Britcourt Chambers in London. Maya regularly appears in many of the leading sanctions cases in the courts of England, Luxembourg and Strasbourg, and is the author of the hugely popular sanctions blog, europeansanctions.com, alongside our friends at Peters and Peters. Hello, Maya. Hello, Aki. Real pleasure to be doing this with you. This session is being recorded on, on Friday the 28th. We, we don't normally timestamp our podcast, but we thought that uh, we should in, in this case because of all the fast-moving events that are going on in Russia and the Ukraine at the moment, and the fact that sanctions could be brought in at any time without notice. But before discussing Russia, I wanted to set the scene for our listeners in terms of sanctions practice and sanctions law more generally. One of the topics that we cannot avoid talking about, at least on this side of the Atlantic, is, is the impact of Brexit. Now, Harneys is an international law firm, and so Brexit from my perspective, has really impacted in this area. But I wanted to put a question to you, Maya. I mean, have you, have you seen Brexit making a real impact in, in your work and, and the approach of the industry? Definitely. So, you know, most obviously Brexit has meant that the UK has its own sanctions regime for the first time. We've always done in the UK sanctions through the European Union. And obviously the UK has been very active in helping to shape EU sanctions policy Uh, But it makes a massive difference that it has its own sanctions in place from last year. I think in practice, what that means is a lot more focus on sanctions in the UK. I think it means certainly multi-jurisdictional work for businesses and industry and for lawyers having to understand different overlapping and sometimes conflicting sanctions regimes. So you have to be aware of UK sanctions, but also EU US and other regimes. And it also means a lot more contact with OFSI, with the UK sanctions regulators, because although the UK has always been responsible for its own sanctions enforcement and licensing work, I think inevitably those regulators have become more busy since UK sanctions has come more into focus after Brexit. That's really interesting, actually. What you're saying is that the UK authorities have really come into their own and come apart from the EU. That You know, there has always been, of course, the, the Treasury in the UK has been responsible for sanctions enforcement um, and was so pre-Brexit. But I think that when Brexit was on the cards, some more resourcing was put into UK sanctions generally. So both on the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office side in terms of policy, but also on the enforcement side. And, you know, decisions about licensing and enforcement lie with OFSI. Now, I think it also means they have been flooded with requests 
Um, so, you know, they are by no means um, tooled up in the way that OFAC is. And things sometimes take quite a long time for that reason. Uh, but I think they've definitely become more active, um, necessarily so, since Brexit. And actually, I mean, I think that's true on the compliance side, too, that, that the you know, people are just more aware in the UK now of sanctions being a legal requirement. And I actually I wanted to ask you something about that, because obviously sanctions and, and anti-money laundering are closely allied. And my perception in the UK is that there's been more focus on anti-money laundering than sanctions until the last few years, when sanctions have really ballooned and had to become much more of a focus alongside AML, possibly even more. But I mean, how do you find that and the sort of nexus between the two from a compliance perspective? Yeah, it's a really interesting question, actually. I mean, I think what we've historically seen, and certainly in, in Europe and on, the, let's say, my thought is outside of the US, is that AML has been absolutely fundamental and pervasive to so many institutions in, in really whichever markets they operate within. Um, and whoever their clients are. And I think historically, sanctions practice has been perceived, rightly or wrongly, as being somewhat more esoteric. And depending on whether, for example, you're dealing with uh, clients in North Korea or or, or Iran or, or places like that. And, and I fully agree with you, Mike. I mean, I think, you know, up until all the events in Crimea in 2014, and slightly before that with the Arab Spring, you know, sanctions was was seen in those in those more esoteric ways. Now, I think what modern practice since since those events have shown is that you know we simply cannot ignore economic sanctions in terms of our compliance policy. So there really needs to be recognition by financial institutions that they have satisfactory compliance policies in place that cater for for themselves. And Picking up on the Brexit point there, whereas it may have been, and both you and I, Maya, are you know, lawyers that are that have you know, qualified across EU and UK and, and UK overseas territories, that they, so that we have a diverse range of practice. But what it means for institutions is that actually now, post-Brexit, you know, they need to get on top of UK sanctions, they need to get on top of EU sanctions, and that's even before they start then looking at who are they actually dealing with? And, and I think with all of the problems um, the West is facing with, with Russia and Ukraine, you know, that, that's just really coming to a head. I suppose one other issue that I think marks a key difference between the European experience of sanctions and let's say the US experience of sanctions is in the context of sanctions enforcement. And in particular, you know, I'm a lawyer sitting in, in Cyprus, you know, we work with you know, regulators here, we work with regulators in, in, the, in the UK overseas territories and, and regulators have their own budgets and resources as you made reference to Office as well. The question I would have for you is, I mean, do you perceive a future in the UK, EU more broadly, where we start to come into a sanctions enforcement regime that is similar to the US? Or is that is that never going to happen? Um, I would be surprised if it happened. I think the fact is the US is vastly better resourced. OFAC is, I mean, I, I suspect OFAC might say that they weren't even well resourced enough to deal with everything they have to deal with. And obviously the scale is greater, but I just don't think that there is anything comparable or likely to be so. But I think UK definitely was under pressure and responded to that pressure of becoming a bit more active on the enforcement front. But that's a bit more active from a sort of zero start, really, because there's been very little historically enforcement action in EU member states. 
um, certainly some, but not enormous. And I think it's that sort of slowly growing across the board. But I, I think it's fair to say still that unlike in the US, or perhaps perhaps it is a bit like this in the US too, the real complying with sanctions happens first and foremost at the compliance level, rather than the enforcement level, by which I mean there is a huge industry, as you know, of businesses and others trying to comply as best they can with sanctions. Absolutely. There's this kind of hard sanctions enforcement in a way and soft sanctions enforcement. And, and certainly the Cyprus experience, you know, we're advising firms as to you know, what do the competent authorities in Cyprus do in this area? You know, there is very limited experience of you know, hard sanctions enforcement. You know, large fines being bandied about in, in anything like you'd see in the UK or, or the US. Um, but nevertheless, there is, there is this soft sanctions enforcement, which I suppose would be, you know, if you're a fiduciary service provider, if you're a broker, or if you're, you know, if you're at some sort of financial institution and you're, you're, you don't have the checks and balances in place to, to comply with sanctions, you know, your license could well be taken away. So there are, I think there, there are those um, soft um, so, soft measures that, 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 that make, um, uh, make a bit of an issue. And is it your perception or experience that Brexit has made a difference from an overseas territories perspective too, that, you know, as the UK has its own sanctions regime, has it focused more or to the same extent on sanctions in the overseas territories? Yeah, I think in a way it's, 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 early, it's early days on that. Um, I think historically within the overseas territories that there has been a sense that, you know, Okay, sanctions law is one of those rare areas where the UK itself, as the let's say the the sovereign power, will um, will actually directly legislate for the overseas territories. We, we don't see that um, in in really any other very very limited areas. However, the sense is that the UK has um, that role in a, in a more of a reluctant way. That there are the measures come in that and historically they've they've come in late. So, for example, in the Russia sanctions. Uh, came in in 2014. Overseas territories measures came in came in reasonably late there. So there is, I think, work that can be done, and I think there is more political will now to turn to the overseas territories and to start to dovetail more the the regimes between the two. But but, but time will time will tell. Um, mm. So one one obviously the elephant in the room here is is the situation in in Russia and, and the Ukraine and I, and I suppose one one of the questions that I would have um, just turning to that very specific context is whether you know in, in a nutshell you know what do you think is going to happen you know do, do we think that the the UK US EU will they start implementing outright blacklisting on Russian entities or will they will they opt for entirely new and novel forms of of sanctions, as we saw to an extent in 2014? Well, no one knows quite what will happen. I think that the, I mean, it's a bit clearer on the US side than on the EU side. I think they are what is being considered if, um, you know, Russia goes into Ukraine is a whole sort of host of sanctions. Some will be targeted sanctions, targeted at who knows who. Knows who. I mean, there's talk of President Putin and his very close associates not sure how likely that is, but certainly at some uh, government institutions and, and individuals, you know, perhaps ramping up the more sectoral sanctions that we've seen already. I think one of the, the you know, the other far reaching things being considered are the sorts of export controls that we've seen the US impose 
on Huawei in relation to China. So serious restrictions on uh, US chips um, and, uh, and the like, and possibly restrictions, you know, cutting off Russian state-owned banks or other banks from the SWIFT system, all sorts of things. I mean, on the EU side, who knows, I mean, the EU seem a bit more divided. They're much more dependent uh, on Russia uh, than the US is for gas supplies. So I think it's more complicated. And of course, you have the need for unanimous agreement among member states, which complicates things. Um, so I think there's much more uncertainty when it comes to the EU in terms of what they might impose uh, and indeed when. Um, and actually on that, I mean, I suppose you have the, the UK is somewhat in between in the sense that the UK now has the flexibility to impose its own sanctions, which I expect it to do, uh, even if the EU doesn't agree on sanctions. But I've also been wondering how Cyprus fits into that picture, actually, because Cyprus, as I understand, it has, of course, a large degree of Russian investment and Russians living in, in Cyprus. You know, is the Cyprus government likely to agree to a new package of EU sanctions or will it feel quite divided on that, do you think? Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's that's a really good question uh, in, in, in its own right and, and, and just as unpredictable, I suppose, as what the West will generally do. Um, but having said that, I think what you know, what we can say is that you know, Cyprus does um have a strong relationship with uh with with russia there are a lot lots of russians uh living in in cyprus and, and there have been those close historic and religious links as well um so i think that there are those issues um i think past practice has shown that cyprus hasn't um opposed at least outwardly and you know in public uh, in any of the european sanctions measures that have been agreed on with 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 unanimity, so so I don't think that Cyprus is going to you know, moving forward necessarily block measures. I think what, what we have seen is in in the context, for example, of Belarus, and and um, there were there was a, a renewal of certain uh, Crimean sanctions uh, a year or so ago. Uh, that Cyprus was the latest member state to to approve the the new measures and there was some degree of linkage to uh, events that were going on in the eastern mediterranean with with, with drilling activities and and, and and turkey but i think at the end of the day um you know cyprus is 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 a member state of the eu and and i think you know it has uh, it has has behaved entirely like that and and uh, and so i would expect at the end of the day if the if the voice of the EU is we need to bring in a package of measures then 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 Cyprus will ultimately comply uh, with those and, and respect the, the otherwise unanimity of, of, mm. of, of the pack. Well it'll be very interesting to see what happens. Absolutely and I suppose I mean the, the final point that I, I wanted to make to you Maya is I mean and in a sense this isn't a raw plug for our blogs but I mean it, it really seems to me to be the case that there isn't really any time like the present where we we need to be fully on top of, of what is going on what are the sanctions that might be relevant to us and and, and measures that we need to take into account as, as institutions and would, would you would you agree with that? I, I definitely would I mean it's certainly what I spend most of my time doing but I think the you know the complexities of the current sanctions landscape uh, you know, mean that there are some absolutely fascinating legal and commercial questions that come up a lot. But I think businesses and charities and individuals um, in all sorts of um, 
areas of business face very tricky sanctions issues. One of the fascinating things about practice in this area is how diverse it is. So, you know, one day one is thinking about the needs of individuals with their bank accounts and very day-to-day -day ramifications of sanctions in different parts of the world. Uh, obviously much more, you know, huge business and banking issues um, on a very international scale. So I think there is a much greater understanding of sanctions now than there was a few years ago. I think it's still, you know, surprising how many sectors don't know very much about sanctions. Um, but I, I think you're right that it's, you know, the, the truth is sanctions are very much at the moment the tool of choice uh, of a number of jurisdictions when it comes to various foreign policy developments. I don't see that changing, although I think the issue of, you know, can and will sanctions on Russia, you know, change politics in that area, we will, we will see, but very interesting times. Absolutely. If you would like to know more about sanctions, then I really would encourage you to, to visit Maya's excellent blog, as I mentioned, it's europeansanctions.com. And uh, if you're particularly interested in, in, in the Harneys jurisdiction, we've got our own regulatory blog at uh, harneys.com. And thank you very much for listening.